What is up? Welcome back to Take It or Leave It. I am so happy to have you here with me this week. I can't wait to get into our topics today. We have the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. Extremely excited. That's every sports fan's one of our favorite days. It's it's a holiday for us. I mean, I am for one in favor of getting work off on the Monday after Super Bowl because not that we're going to stay up late or go crazy or anything like that, but you you just need a day to rest from the emotional roller coaster that is the Super Bowl. Um, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. We're going to talk about some basketball today. We've just got a full show today, so uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. In life, when discussing awards and who deserves them, there are two people, two types of people that come up in the conversation. This is almost in every award category in humanity. And there are there are the impactful people that have caused that have created the most impact. And these are more the, the more valuable people. And then there are people that simply went above and beyond as far as content or as far as their expectations or as far as their production. They went above and beyond in basically anybody else around them. You see it all the time. You see it in not just sports, but you see it. We'll take acting, for example. We all know Leonardo DiCaprio is one of the best actors of all time. He is fantastic. If you've seen Django Unchained, there's a scene where he breaks a, a it's like a, a glass, it's a, it's a wine glass or, or whatever it is, a cup, a glass cup, and he breaks it and, he's, and he starts, he, and he's the villain in the movie, so he, he's kind of creepy at this point, he's picking glass out of his hand, cut up, blood dripping everywhere, and you find, if you dig deeper, that that was real. That happened in real life where it wasn't supposed to happen. The glass wasn't supposed to break. He hit the table, shattered a glass, and he had to get like something absurd, like 15 stitches in his hand, but he kept going. That is just the how good he is of an actor, that he took a moment like that and made it one of his best moments, in my opinion, of his career. Well, back in 2014, he lost the Academy Award for Best Actor for Wolf of Wall Street to Matthew McConaughey. Now, this is not taking a shot at Matthew McConaughey. He's fantastic. In the movie he won it for, he was fantastic in Dallas Buyers Club. But we all know, if you gave someone the choice to, to cast someone in a movie between McConaughey and Leonardo DiCaprio, most people are not going to take McConaughey. You're going to take DiCaprio because he is the better actor. He's more impactful. He's more valuable as an actor. He's got a wider range. He's he's simply fantastic, and he's, he's one of the best that's ever done it. And that's McConaughey. McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club just surpassed everybody else on that film. He was fantastic on it. And I'm not saying he's a bad actor. Otherwise, he's fine, but that was his best work by far. He was fantastic in Dallas Buyers Club. DiCaprio is good all the time. He's one of the most valuable actors in Hollywood, and he is probably, in the past 15 years, the most impactful in Hollywood. It, it could be argued. But in the NBA, you have it as well. In 2015-2016, Steph Curry won the MVP. I don't think, and people may argue, because people hate LeBron all the time. There's a lot of LeBron haters. But people would argue that Steph deserved it, that he was the MVP. He was the most valuable player in the league that year. I disagree. LeBron James, in my opinion, has been the most valuable player in the league and should have probably won MVP every year for the past 10 to 12 years. He was the most valuable player in the league that year as well. If you take him off the Cavaliers, he they, they don't make the playoffs, let alone go to the finals against the Warriors and win. Okay, he, he is the most valuable player in the league that year, and he was the most impactful player in the league that year. Again, I'll say that the Cavs would not have made the playoffs, let alone beat possibly the best basketball team to ever play the sport going 73-9. and nine. Now, that is what I want to talk about today in the NFL. We've got a really tight race going for offensive rookie of the year. We've got Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley. Now, my argument is that Baker 
is the more valuable of the two. The Browns have not won. They only won one game in the two seasons before Baker Mayfield showed up. They won seven this season. Yes, he's got some young talent around him. Yes, there are a lot of players that contributed to that and coaches as well. But they only got better when Hugh Jackson was gone. And Baker played fantastic this year. And he won seven games. Now his QB record would say six and seven because they, that goes by starts. But when he came in for to Rod Taylor against the Jets, they were losing. And they won the game. Baker led them back, ju- rejuvenated the team, and they ended up going seven and seven with Baker at the helm. That's not great. It's mediocre. But after only winning one game in two seasons, that's fantastic. So I would argue that Baker is the more valuable of the two between Saquon Barkley and Baker Mayfield. Saquon is the one that outperformed everybody else, including Baker. So I want to look at this, and I want to break down what Offensive Rookie of the Year means and what it should be and who should win this, in my opinion, who I think will win this. Uh, and we'll, we'll kind of go a little bit more with Baker since we're already talking about him again. I already said 7-7 seven and seven this season after only winning one game, after the Browns only won one game in the past two seasons. He accounted for over 65% of the Browns' yards offensively. He threw for 3,700 yards, 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and 63.8 completion percentage. Those are all fantastic, especially for a rookie. You could do with less interceptions. 14's a lot, but it's not it's not awful. It's it's kind of average in the league for, for a good player. And 27 touchdowns in your rookie season is just extraordinary. Now, here's the problem with Baker is... Just winning in Cleveland is is okay, is good, because Cleveland's not worried, and they shouldn't be worried about the playoffs right now. Maybe next year, but this season, it's not. It probably wasn't on their radar. So just winning is fantastic, and he won seven games. The next step we got to look at though is is he was one in four this season against playoff teams. So he'll only beat one playoff team. It was the the Baltimore Ravens early in the year before they kind of started Lamar Jackson and went on their hot streak, in which case in at which point they then beat the Browns. Uh, so 1-4 against playoff teams is not great, but he still overcame a ton of dysfunction with that organization and the losing culture to win seven games and put up a fantastic stat line. Saquon, on the other hand, didn't really do much to improve the Giants. They were 3-13 and last year. He comes as an extraordinary year, and they were 5-11. and so not too big of a difference there. Two two games, um, but you know they also had Odell back. Yeah, so so there's there's a few other things that go into that. They had a little bit better offensive line this year with Nate Solder coming over from the Patriots. But let's just look at the stats for Saquon: 1,300 rushing yards on 5.0 yards per carry, so five yards even per carry this season. That is absurd especially for a rookie. For anybody, that's that's absurd. But for a rookie, that's fantastic. 15 touchdowns on the ground, 91 receiving yards for, or I'm sorry, 91 receptions for 721 receiving yards and four more touchdowns in the passing game. He had over, if you do the math there, he had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage, which is absolutely absurd for anybody, let alone a rookie. And he had over 100 scrimmage yards in 13 out of his 16 games that he played. I'll say that again. Over 100 scrimmage yards in 13 out of his 16 games. Huh? What? (laughs) Wow. And he accounted for, as a running back, mind you, he accounted for 35% of the Giants' yards on offense. Taking all of this into consideration, we have to break this down in two ways, but then we've got to put it together to think about who should and who I think will win this honor. And what I think is going to happen here, if you look at overall performance, I think it's hands down Saquon Barkley has the edge on Baker Mayfield. Baker had a adequate passing season, an adequate quarterback season, very good, won a lot of games. But Saquon's season for any running back was absolutely outstanding, let alone a rookie on somewhat of a bad team. Now, so if we're looking at overall performance, like I said, Saquon, hands down. 
if we're looking about at most valuable to their team and most impactful for their team, that Leonardo DiCaprio element, it's Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield went from zero wins last year, one win in the past two seasons, to seven wins in one season for a completely dysfunctional Browns organization. That is absolutely fantastic. However, I don't think that's what this trophy or this this award is about. I don't think offensive rookie of the year is about value to your team. I think it's about, I think this is one of those individual awards. And that's different from the MVP award in, in for the overall league. That's asking who's more valuable without this player, who where would this team be? And that's how I think the NBA should do their award. I think that's how all teams should do it because otherwise or all leagues should do it, because otherwise just rename it. Then it's not most valuable. But this particular award, Offensive Rookie of the Year, who had the most outstanding offensive season statistically. And with that, I say Saquon Barkley. I believe Saquon Barkley deserves this award. I believe he will win it. And I think it's well-earned. He was fantastic. Just watching him was such uh so much fun he he was he is an absurd talent so fast so strong so shifty great hands uh i'm excited to watch him for a very long to well as long as running backs last so i'm excited to watch him for the next eight to ten years i think he's going to be a blast all right moving on we're gonna jump over to the nba where we have a lot going on in the Western Conference. Obviously, it came out. Anthony Davis wants out from the Pelicans. He doesn't. He will not sign an extension. Whether that means he goes in free agency at the end of the season or whether that means he gets traded. He wants a trade. He has requested a trade. to See, he wants it to be done before the trade deadline because he wants to be with the Lakers. The Lakers want him. And LeBron James has wanted him for a while, um, ever, ever since AD and, and Rich Paul kind of teamed up. That's kind of been the feel that LeBron wants him. And it's it, LeBron's kind of been blatantly tampering. I don't know if you saw this. It was hilarious. Anthony Davis put up an Instagram with him wearing this pretty dope, uh, pretty dope sweater. And LeBron commented, oh, that sweater's fire, blah, blah, blah. And then he, he said, he goes on to say, see you later. Oh, oh, whoops, autocorrect. I meant see you later, but with a capital L and A, so as in LA Lakers. I thought that was hilarious, but it's pretty blatant. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten fined yet. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets fined in the future for tampering. AD already got fined for uh, taking his trade request public, which uh, I guess that's an NBA ref. I thought NBA players were allowed to do that. I guess not. So he got fined fifty grand. Not a big deal to him with the money. I believe he makes twenty five mil a year right now. Uh, so, anyways, let's look at what would have to go down in the next few weeks for this deal to become reality for the Lakers. Now, I, I've got a couple different ones. I've got an ideal trade for the Lakers, which would include to me the ideal trade. You got to give up something. You got to give up quite a bit for one of the top five top six best players in the world. So I'm thinking the ideal trade would be Brandon Ingram, young talent, has kind of hit a roadblock with his growth, but still good. I believe he's averaging about 17, 18, 19 points a game this season. He just hasn't gotten to that next level. We expected this guy to be a 25, 27 point a game guy and kind of that alpha on a team. He just hasn't turned into that. I mean, I heard stories when he came in about he's the next Kevin Durant. He looks nothing like Kevin Durant. He has no dog in him at this point. He has no alpha uh, to to go out there and lead a team and, and he's just he's hit a roadblock but he's still a very very good player uh, I think Lonzo Ball is a really appealing piece for teams still Lonzo has a an incredibly high ceiling and an incredibly high floor to be quite frank because at worst he's going to be an incredible court general who can lead an offense make great passes and create great shots if he can hit his his ceiling and grow as a shooter and become a really good 38-39% three-point shooter, he's going to be a great point guard in this league. 
But like I said, at worst, he's a really, really good floor general, a really, really good. Um, he could be a, a first string guy, probably more of a really good six man um, bench point card. So, I, so I'm thinking Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and then Zubats, another good young talent, really tall, really big guy. Uh, obviously, the big man, rim defender is kind of going away in the league, but he's still he, he's got some talent. And then a first round pick, so Ingram, Ball, Zubats. Uh, and first round pick that's ideal because then you've got you're keeping Kuzma you're keeping Hart uh, obviously LeBron you've got Stevenson you've got Michael Beasley you've got Rajon Rondo you've got McGee you've got Tyson Chandler so I mean it's and then you're getting Anthony Davis you're keeping KCP that's a that's a loaded team that team is very good that's a very good team that's a third second seed in the West team, second or third, I, 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 it's hard for me to see them going any lower than second or third in, in the West with that squad. Uh, now, I don't think that's what they're going to have to give up. I think if the Pelicans are smart, they are going to rob the Lakers here. They have to take them for everything they're worth. And what I mean by that is, is they've got to ask and they've got to try to acquire Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and instead of Zubats, you got to get Josh Hart, at least, I think, because he's a very good young player who, who looks like he can be a, a really good scorer in this league. But in my opinion, you got to get Kuzma. you got to go Ingram, Ball, Kuzma. They're big three young guys and a first-round pick. And, and I, I wouldn't settle for less if I was the Pelicans because if, you, if, you, if they're not going to give it to you, just don't trade them. You just hold on to them until the Celtics can get involved and they have way better assets. They have players that are that are not only young, but are far more developed than what the Lakers have. And so that's my th- If you can't get Ball, Ingram, Kuzma in a first-round pick, I wouldn't make this trade. And as much as I, I want to see LeBron succeed, I, I it's kind of apparent already in this young podcast that I, I, do, I am a LeBron lover. I wouldn't do it. And I don't, I wouldn't give that to the Lakers that easily. I would take what you can. Now, let's say that's what happens. Let's say the Pelicans rob them for everything they want. Ingram Ball, Kuzma, first round pick. The Lakers are still very good at this point. Their starting five would be KCP at the one. I know he's not a traditional point guard. He's a shooting guard, but they've been starting him at point lately. Uh, they got Josh Hart at the two, LeBron at the three, AD at the four, Tyson Chandler at the five. It's a very solid starting lineup. It's not a. It's not going to beat the Warriors. They need another piece. Uh, and obviously there's rumors about Kyrie wanting to team back up with LeBron. I, I don't believe that'll happen. If it does, that'd be wild, but I, I don't see that happening. But it's a still it's a, it's a very good squad. Still, it, It's probably good enough to get to the Western Conference Finals for a few years and take on the Warriors. Now, if the Warriors don't offer Clay, I see this being more of an option than Kyrie coming over. If the Warriors don't offer Clay his max deal, Clay's already said he wants to go to the Lakers. He he, he said if they don't, you know, it, it, there's rumblings that if he doesn't get the max offer from the Warriors, he wants to go to the Lakers. Obviously, he has ties there. I believe his dad is uh, is a commentator for the war for the Lakers. Uh, he, so I think he would like to be in L.A. playing with LeBron. That team could win a Finals if you have A.D. Clay, LeBron, KCP, Josh Hart, Tyson Chandler, Rajon Rondo, Stevenson, Michael Beasley. Uh, McGee, that team could win the finals. That team can beat a Warriors that doesn't have that that do, no longer have Clay, and they could win the finals. That's a fantastic loaded team. But we'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see how it plays out. That's how I think would be the best way, at least for the Pelicans, and it would still be good for the Lakers to work out. You got to give up Ingram, Ball, Kuzma, and a first rounder. But we'll see how it plays out. It may not play out that way. They may hold off and try to try to make a deal with the with the Celtics. We'll see what happens. I think it'll be a very interesting thing to watch, and I'm I'm very intrigued by it. We've only got about a week, week and a half until the trade deadline, so we'll see what's going on. All right, let's jump into probably my favorite thing to talk about, obviously, and it's ending this weekend. Uh, the NFL. This is going to be my last pick for the season. We're looking at the Super Bowl matchup between the Rams and the Pats. 
let's get started. I'm going to start with the Rams. Now, the Rams are 4-0 in their last four games. You know, I like to look at teams in, in kind of their in segments. And it's what general managers do. It's what front offices do. It's what coaches do. They look at their teams in four-game segments. So the Rams are 4-0. Very hot. They're averaging almost 34 points a game, which is outrageous. I think the biggest factor for their offense to produce in this game, because we know the Patriots like to take away your biggest weapon. I think they're looking at Todd Gurley saying he's been hurt for a while. He's been kind of banged up, hasn't been himself for weeks, maybe a month, month and a half. So they're thinking, we don't have to take him away. He's, he's taken himself out. He's done. So now they're going to turn to a Brandon Cooks, um, a Robert Woods. They're going to turn to C.J. Anderson, who's actually been pretty good. He, he wasn't great last week, but but has been pretty good for the Rams. They're going to turn to something else. So if Gurley and the Rams can, if the Rams and McVay, and, and if they can make Gurley a factor and Gurley can show up and play to the potential he can catch eight, nine passes and rush for over 100 yards, I think it will bite the Patriots. I don't think they'd be exp- – I, I really – because typically you'd, see, you'd say the Patriots are going to take away Gurley. But if Gurley hasn't been around for a month and a half, why would they focus on him? They're going to focus on something else. And, of course, they're the Patriots so they could outsmart all of us and and just bank on the fact that Gurley's going to be back and take him out of the game. But I think they're going to focus somewhere else. I think Gurley has to be a factor in this game for the offense to roll. Now, they're allowing 21.5 points a game. Not terrible, especially in today's NFL when teams are scoring 30, 35, 40 points a, a week. 21.5 is, is pretty good. Their defense has come to grips. They've settled in. They've gotten healthy. And Andamakan Sue and Aaron Donald are freaks, especially as lately. Aaron Donald's been a freak all year. Andamakan Sue has really turned it off for, for turned it on for the playoffs. Last week they combined for three and a half tackles for loss and five QB hits. Sue on his own had a, a sack and a half. Uh, now this is going to be huge for those two to continue to stay after Brady. And to continue, well, they really got to clog the run game too because the Patriots have been running the football so efficiently. So look out for them to clog the middle, to hit Brady. Brady has dropped back over 100, 120 times this offseason and has not been sacked yet. If they can get, and now you might say he doesn't look like himself. He's thrown a lot of picks this offseason. He's like 7-4, seven and four, seven touchdowns, four picks in this, in this postseason. He's still throwing very efficiently, and he's still throwing very well because he's got his base under him, he's got a great platform, and he's throwing the ball. Now, if you see Brady this year when he struggled, it's when he doesn't have his platform and his feet under him, and Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald have to take that away from him. They have to at least hit him a few times. If they, Even if they're not getting sacks or QB hurries, they've got to get to him and put put a hit on him. All legally don't be getting penalties or anything like that but if they can do that and just let Brady know hey we're here we're here we're gonna be here all day and we're gonna come we're gonna come for you they've gotta at least make him aware that they're coming and that they're there Um, McVeigh and Goff are fantastic Uh, Goff I'm not so hot on I said a couple weeks ago uh, that Goff is kind of like the the dude that's that's dating or is married out of his league like McVeigh's this the the beautiful or handsome husband, beautiful wife that's kind of out of the league of her her his or her significant other, and and Goff is kind of the the ugly dude, but I, I don't believe that 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 might have been a little bit too much. Goff is good; he throws a very pretty football. I just don't think he's on McVeigh's level, and he could get there. But uh, they're both young, though. That's the problem here. Both of their first Super Bowl. Only their second postseason, so this is going to be interesting. the The experience gap here is vast. It's it's the experience gap is wider than than the distance between the Earth and the Sun. It is, I mean, nine Super Bowls, five wins, two first Super Bowl, second postseason <laughs> appearance. So it's going to be interesting. That's going to be definitely, uh, um, I guess, a mountain that. The Rams are going to have to get over. And uh, so for, for the Rams, I kind of did for each team an edge and a key. So like the Rams edge this week will be, they, they have a, 
a way more talented offense or, or at least a way more talented roster in general than the Patriots. I don't think that's discussable. The Patriots are great at what they do, which is taking kind of insignificant or or kind of underwhelming talent and making it do extraordinary things. And that's coaching, that's system, that's blah, 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 whatever you want to call it. And, and then it's a lot of Tom Brady. Tom Brady elevates a lot of players around him. Um, the Rams just have studs. They just have players. Robert Woods can play. Uh, Brandon Cooks can play. Goff is, is a good player. He's an adequate quarterback. Very accurate, very pretty football. Uh, Todd Gurley can play. Obviously, C.J. Anderson can play. They have a fantastic offensive line. I mean, they got players everywhere, and their defense is just full of studs. Full of st- Dante Fowler looks like a new player ever since moving from the Jaguars. Dominic Sue looks like his prime again. In, the, in this postseason, Aaron Donald might be the most dominant D lineman, maybe on his way to the most dominant defensive player we've ever seen. Not saying a lot. I know Lawrence Taylor is, is by far the most dominant right now, but Aaron Donald's still in a very, he's a very young player. Um, they've just got studs everywhere. Keep Tlaib, Marcus Peters. It, it, this is a very, very stacked football team. So that's their edge. A lot more talent around the roster. Their key to victory, in my opinion, is, I already touched on it, get to Tom Brady. Hit him. What happened last year when, when the Eagles kind of pressured him? He still threw for over 500 yards, but it won the game. They got to him, caused a fumble, and that was game. you got to get to Brady. Got to get to Brady. Hit him. Let him know you're there. Cause some turnovers. If he's throwing off balance and off of his platform, he's not as good as he used to be. That's where it hit the... T- where we've seen the deterioration of Brady the most is when he's throwing off his platform. When he's uh, when he's got his platform, he looks as good as he, as he's ever looked. When he's off his platform, off balance, he doesn't look like himself. That's what the Rams have to do. They got to get him off balance. Now moving over to the Pats, they are four and zero as well in the past four. So another very hot team, just like the Rams. Now their offense is averaging. 35 points per game. So the Rams are averaging 34, about a little less. The Pats are averaging 35 points per game. So this is going to be a very offensively driven game. Uh, well, it would appear. Uh, they, they are also rushing. They've rushed for over 150 yards in both playoff games. So that's something that they've changed. Typically, they're relying on the pass. Uh, the past few weeks, they've been winning on the run, and Brady's been playing fine but the run uh, their rushing offense is what has kind of put them or given them an edge in the past few games they're only allowing 18 and a half points per game that's just spectacular especially considering the teams they've played uh, the chargers and the chiefs now of course the chiefs scored over 30 on them um, but but that just shows how well they've played in the past four games combined um, they've allowed very few points so only averaging 18 and a half points that they've given up and they are just doing fantastic at what they love to do, which is take away your biggest threat. We saw it with the Chargers. They decided to take away the running game. Uh, Melvin Gordon was, is an electric player in this league, rushed for less than 20 yards. Uh, we saw it with the Chargers last week or two weeks ago. They took away Hill and Kelsey and did a fantastic job doing it. Hill and Kelsey, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey only combined for four receptions, 65 yards, and Kelsey did score a touchdown. But those are two guys that they were no strangers to 100-yard games and multiple multiple touchdown games, both of them. So, I mean, to do that is spectacular, especially against a high-powered offense like that with a fantastic head coach like Andy Reid. Uh, and we can look at one of their edges, Tom Brady, playing in his ninth Super Bowl, which is no matter how much I watch football, no matter how many times I say it, it's still absurd. And in Super Bowls, he's thrown for almost 2,600 yards, uh, 65.8 completion percentage, 18 touchdowns, 5 interceptions for a 98 passer rating. So like I said, we have one quarterback who is in his first Super Bowl and another quarterback who has played half a season <laughs> of Super Bowls and has the stats to go along with as a fantastic stat line to go along with it. He, he does not play poorly in Super Bowls. Last year, people said he, he kind of had a, a one of his poorer games in a Super Bowl, and he broke a record through for over 500 yards passing. So uh, 
just absolutely absurd. He's thrown for over 450 yards in the past two Super Bowls. So that would be the Eagles and the Falcons Super Bowl. And again, over 500 last year. Uh, the Patriots' edge, they don't have a roster that could go necessarily toe-to-toe with the Rams. They didn't have a roster that could go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs has one of the best, especially on offense, rosters in the whole league. But the Patriots have experience. They have Bill Belichick, and they have Tom Brady, and they have a lot of players and coaches who have been here, done that. They're not going to have some of the jitters and some of the and some, some of the nerves that the Rams are going to have. They're going to uh, be going through this for the first time, a lot of them, and it'll be interesting. So I think this is a huge edge for the Patriots, their, their experience. The key for the Patriots to win this game is going to be to protect Tom Brady. It's the one of the opposites of the keys that I gave for the Rams. The Rams have to hit Tom Brady. The Patriots have to continue to protect Brady. If Brady's protected, he's throwing off of a good platform, has his feet under him, is able to get torque on the ball. Brady, I, th- I believe, will have a big game, as he usually does in the Super Bowl. I think their running game is going to be there because I, I think they're going to do a lot of off-tackle stuff. Sony Michel is strong, but his kind of biggest strength is his shiftiness and his speed. So I think they're going to do a lot of off-tackle stuff to try to stay away from Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald. I think they'll have success running the ball, but they have to protect Brady so he can throw the ball. You cannot win the Super Bowl without throwing. I truly believe that. So as much as they want to run the ball, and it's going to be important, they have to protect Brady, and he has to have time to get the ball out and have a great platform to throw from. That being said, I've got to pick a winner. It's a tough one. It's the battle of youth and talent against uh, experience and genius and IQ. And not saying that the youth and talent don't have it. Sean McVay is also a genius, but I've got to go with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick here. I think Brady's going to have a fantastic game. I think he's going to win his sixth Super Bowl, which will match the entire Pittsburgh Steelers organization and will tie the Patriots and Pittsburgh for the most Super Bowls by an organization. Um, I'm going Patriots. If I had to throw a score out there, I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I think 30, let's say 38, 34 sounds nice. 38, 34 sounds like about the score I would pick. It's going to be a little warmer game. Obviously, from what has what we've seen played, it's going to be in Atlanta. So I think there's going to be uh, a lot of throwing, a lot of big plays, a lot of fun, but some good defensive plays too because these are two very good defenses as well. I cannot wait to watch the Super Bowl. I hope you all enjoy it. It's going to be fantastic. And it is also going to be sad, end of the football season, but I'm super excited to see this game. I think it's going to be an absolute blast. With that, we are going to wrap up our show today by bringing in a guest. Uh, You guys will probably remember this guy. He was actually our first guest, so we're bringing Easton Gray back. What is up, Easton? Hey, man. How's it going? Appreciate the opportunity to be back in the studio today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anytime. We love having you. Uh, This will probably be a a pretty common thing over the next few months, so so get used to it and... uh, don't don't say no. Just keep saying yes. I am ready. Awesome. So we're going to dive right into it. We'll, we'll talk about a few different things. We might not even talk about sports the whole time, but we'll, we will start with some sports. Earlier today in the show, we uh, talked about how Baker Mayfield, uh, a player you like very much. Baker, we know this. Baker, touchdown maker. Absolutely. You like him a lot. I like him a lot. You like him enough to, to buy some clothing. I do. I woke up feeling dangerous. <laughs> tell us a little bit about that shirt. Uh, so... As you guys know, um, Baker Mayfield, in one of his interviews, said he woke up feeling dangerous. Uh, thought it was thought it was uh, kind of funny. Um, he was super serious about it, and he was. Uh, yeah. And so it was just a little funny thing. And so I found the shirt with uh, him wearing his headband, and on the headband says "Woke up feeling dangerous." So I had to cop it. Love it. It looks good. I like yeah. it a lot too. Uh, so in our conversation, we're talking about. Obviously, th- throwing stats out there, both him and Saquon had fantastic seasons. Absolutely. Uh, not only just for rookies, but for players in general. Just very good seasons. Um, 
so I, I made the point, I talked a little bit about kind of in life as humans with awards, there's two types of people. There's one that is just above and beyond the rest in that particular year, movie, I talked about some actors, so films, sport, whatever, and then okay. there are, so, so for that particular season, but then there's guys that are just transformative. They're they're more impactful, they're more valuable mm-hmm. in general, not maybe just that, that season, maybe the stats aren't there exactly with the other person but as a, as a whole they're more valuable and that's what i think baker is i think baker is 10 times more valuable to the browns than saquon is to the giants okay you have there's anything definitely to, to, to comment on there. that yeah yeah definitely an argument there i mean you you look at the browns before baker um and you look at the browns this year with with baker i mean the few games before him and now all the games after him it's it's a totally different environment it seems like there you know the players don't seem like the browns they seem like the, a football team that's enjoying playing that they they're actually going out do there. they're and fun to watch they're they enjoy it they're having fun jarvis landry's got so much energy out there you know they definitely goes high and low you know <laughs> but he, he definitely brings a lot of energy you know and having baker there to help rally it like you know you, you see them actually having fun playing football so that's really exciting that's really cool to see um, and on the other side of it, he, he's, he's putting up great stats with, without a doubt, you know, he's putting up great stats and he's transforming the whole culture there. And I think he's going to be a huge part of that, a part of that in the, in the years to come. You well, know? I mean, not to uh, mention one win in two seasons before Baker, two whole yeah, seasons, one yeah. win with Baker, seven, seven wins. Yep. I mean, it, it's just, just like that. And I'm not saying Baker's the only player they added. No, absolutely not. But they yeah. they didn't look like this in the first couple the first game or two yeah. without Baker. It, it's it's the tr- whole transformation of culture. It's them coming together as a team. You know, the whole dog pound. You know, Baker, I think Baker has a huge part to do with that. Um, you know, and in, in, I don't know if you guys watched the uh, you know whole behind the scenes um, of the Cleveland Browns this year. They did that whole show, the uh, – Oh, yeah, uh, Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks, hard yep. Knocks. They did Hard Knocks on the Cleveland Browns this year. And you saw Jarvis getting passionate, saying, you guys, we can't be slacking. And, you know, the whole the whole team, you could tell that there was there was chemistry, but just with Tyrod Taylor, with how mundane his voice was, that just kind of seemed like how his whole personality was. So there wasn't ever that energy that was – there wasn't ever that, like, you know, go, go get him type thing. It was always like, this is my job. Picking I mean, up my like briefcase. Tyrod, Tyrod can play. He can, but, but I, it, I it was just right. going to work for him. I think you're right with a team like that, a young team. You can't just kind of have this here we are, we're here to work attitude, which yeah. works for the Patriots, works for other teams. But with that young team with a lot of passion, a lot of energy, they I needed someone behind them just to, to keep them going, to get them rallied, to get them hyped up. And and Tyrod, like he like he put in so much work and so much effort. I want that to go unnoticed. You know, he was always the first one there, last one to leave. You know, was there before anybody else. And uh, even one of the coaches asked Baker, like, where were you? Mm-hmm. At, the, at this time, it was like 5 a.m. or something. He goes, what do you mean? I was sleeping. It was 5 a.m. He goes, well, Tyrod was here. He was putting work, doing and stuff. And Baker actually showed up early that day. Yeah. But not as early as Tyrod. Exactly. He was there like an hour and a half, two hours after Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tyrod, Tyrod, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think it is technically Tyrod, but, but yeah. we will so like he he was a workhorse 100 percent, but he didn't have any sort of energy level it seemed like he was just going to work picking up my briefcase getting all my papers together and i'm going into work gotta put in my eight hours today you know so I can, it just doesn't work with this this type of team i guess yeah or, or even with this type of profession you know i mean it's good to have a workhorse but he has to have some sort of passion behind the game he has to want to do what, brady, he, what his job is tom brady's passionate as heck okay so that's that's the difference between uh, anybody else in Tom Brady is like football is not his job. It is literally his life. Absolutely. His lifestyle is surrounded by football. His football is his lifestyle, you know, off season and everything. Like the way he takes care of his body, the reason he's old and still playing mm-hmm. like the greatest of all time, you know? So that that's, that's something else. And I think, um, Baker definitely has the energy, but, um, I, I think I think that the Browns are going to be a totally different team next year. You know, they're going to get in a new coach in. So I think things are just going to start falling into place for them. You know, they got a couple I, of young guys and, and the energy. So I would agree. Uh, moving on to Saquon Barkley on the other end of it. So Baker, the most valuable to his team. Baker, I would say more so. yep. impactful to his team. I said that Saquon is 
more of a sh- not a shock, but more of you see his numbers, and they're a little bit more, a lot more mind boggling than Baker's. Baker's were like, oh, that's a really good season. Yeah, Baker oh, had oh, good and they stats, won seven but, games. but Saquon had had absurd, insane, insane numbers. I mean, he was so valuable on on the ground and in the air. And Ninety-one like, that's, receptions. That's kind of like the the new thing for running backs is is to be able to catch as well, but to come into the league and do it so well and be so. Uh, um, strong in in both categories, you know. Mm-hmm. Like he he wasn't unstoppable, but he seemed like it at times. You at know? times it oh it did yeah. You know I mean and everyone before he was coming to the league talking about his big old thighs. That dude can run. Mm-hmm. You know he can push. He's strong. And his upper body doesn't look huge. Like you wouldn't say oh that's a that's a strong running back. Those legs though don't stop. You never hit him. Never stop. It's like a brick wall. Yep. He he, he was surprisingly strong coming into the league. We didn't really. We knew he'd be fast and electric, but his strength was impressive. Um, he definitely exceeded expectations. Oh, absolutely. And and I think it was kind of like, will he have as good of a season as Zeke his rookie year? You could almost argue had, he was better. I mean, on the on the ground he wasn't as good as Zeke, but in the passing, with, 91 With the combination of both threats. And over 2,000 yards yeah. from scrimmage. So, uh, fantastic. I, I would be scared to see what the Giants would have looked like without him as a running back. Oh yeah, with with him, they only won five games. What what happens without him? Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah. What I'm what I'm more scared to see is the Giants once they get a quarterback with him. Oh my Bell. gosh, yeah, that's that's one thing that needs to happen. Thank goodness Baltimore realized that this season, and Joe Flacco got benched, and Lamar Jackson got in, and he's going to get the experience he needs now. Um, but it, Giants got to realize it. It it's time. Eli was good. He's still just good. They need something better. Which is funny because if you look at his stats, his stats are some of the best he's put up in his career. He's just not keeping up with the trend of the NFL as what quarterbacks need to be now. And yep. he, he doesn't have the arm strength anymore, does not have the accuracy, and it's time for them to move on. If they don't pick a quarterback this year, I'll be very surprised. A lot of kind of boards have them, have them taking Dwayne Haskins. I wow, think that would be that would be an unreal team at that point. It would be absurd. I yeah. think with Dwayne Haskins, any of those top guys, that's I like that. If they had with. Dwayne Haskins, I'd like that a lot. You, know, cause you got Saquon, with. who's young, and you got Odell, who's young. You got Sterling Shepard, who's who's putting his name out there. Also young. Uh, Eric Ebron? Uh, no, he he's now with the Colts. Okay, yeah, okay. He, he went, no, no, you're thinking of, um, he was on our fantasy team this year. Evan, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, Evan okay, Ingram, there we go. Ingram. Yeah, there Evan we go. Ingram. Yep, I always get mixed up. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's... That for an offense is, is pretty solid. So, I mean, that would be very exciting. Absolutely. And if they don't take a quarterback, I'm going to be upset. Oh, I think, I'll be all, upset. I think everybody will be. Nobody more. No one will understand. Giants fans. Now, that being said, all that being said, who do you like as far as – I know who you like. You like Baker. I do. I who do, do who like Baker. in your Baker. opinion will, will win this award? Uh, who will win the award? I think it will be Saquon. Just because of the way the NFL runs things, it's going to be Saquon winning it. Um, but – I'm more excited for Baker. I tend to agree because I think Saquon's going to be very good for for a while, five oh, yeah. to ten years. I think he's going to be fantastic. But I think Baker has the potential, of, especially if they improve on this year as fast as they did. They could be in the playoffs next year in two yeah. seasons. Yeah, they could be in the playoffs just like that, depending on how this Freddie Kitchens guy works as a head coach. Which he he looked good, and Baker improved under him as a quarterback. Yeah, as, yeah, and that with was him as the offensive coordinator. So we will see. All right, we'll move on to our next question. Uh, we also talked today about the Super Bowl. I made my picks. I made my points. I made my arguments. Uh, we've got uh, – it's a really cool storyline for the Super Bowl. you got the young genius, Sean McVay, going against the genius, Bill Belichick. <laughs> uh, you've yeah. got a guy in Jared Goff who you've heard me talk about. I'm not too high on him like everybody You're else is. I thought he played very well last week, had some really beautiful passes. I just – I still compare him to like I feel like he's dating out of his league. Yeah. Sean McVay. I don't think he's as good as him, but he he could get there because he, he, he does throw a beautiful football. That I think being he's said, I think he's good enough for Sean McVay. Oh no doubt. I think Sean McVay will probably stick with them for probably another one to two seasons, and then with his mindset, will probably find somebody else if he doesn't even go to a whole New Orleans situation and have two quarterbacks. You know, because mm. he 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 works pretty well with Goff, and how and like he, the way he runs his offense is, if Goff's not playing well, he moves around Goff, and Goff is just another distraction piece on the playing board. 
yeah, no, and he's very good at managing the whole golf situation. But I mean, I mean, the stats speak for them. Golf, golf stats are fantastic under McVeigh. Yeah. But, um, but no, he, he's good. I think he's fine. It's actually funny. A lot of people have been comparing him to Brady early on in his career, which obviously early on, his stats far exceed Tom Brady. But so do a lot of players. Like Ryan Tannehill's probably do honestly because of just that's how the that's how the NFL is now. It's a passing league. Yep. Um, that's but why just I... just as far as mechanics too, and it, it was actually eerie. I saw, uh, I think it was on NFL Network. It was kind of a breakdown of their dropbacks, their releases. You know that whole hip torque. The hip, yeah. They looked identical. Really. And their stature is about the same. They're about the same height, weight. They they're gangly, hmm. and then, of course you want to go there. They're both Southern California. I don't know if there's. I think it's Southern Southern California. They're both California kids. There's a lot of similarities to them, especially in their young age. Anyways, um, two teams, two genius coaches, two, one greatest quarterback of all time, one up and up. What are you expecting out of this game? Um, I'm expecting, honestly, I, I don't know if I'm expecting a really high-scoring game or a not-so-high-scoring game because – I I just see I see Bill Belichick with his defensive mind, uh, being able to work against McVeigh, but then McVeigh like overcoming those obstacles of of Bill Belichick's defense. Well, yeah, and and you know McVeigh's gonna score. At some, he, I mean, they they score. will score, and I think it will definitely be a battle, but a hundred percent on both sides of the ball. It will have to be a game that they win. There will not be one play that'll. That'll decide it all. No. It, it's it's going to be a hard fought game, uh, because they both have um, good uh, good backs. You know, you got James White and Sony Michelle, and um, the Rams got C.J. Anderson, who's been doing wonders for him, and uh, Todd Gurley. We, and we I talked about this earlier with Todd Gurley being not himself for the past month, month and Some, a half. Yeah, something's up. Yeah, and he's been hurt, and he hasn't been hundred percent, but. Even when they said he's completely healthy, he hasn't looked right. So we know the Patriots and Bill Belichick, they like to take away your best asset and make you beat. So, for instance, last week, the best asset on the Chiefs besides Pat Mahomes, you can't take Pat Mahomes away. Right. So what do you do? You take away his weapons. They limited Tyreek Hill Travis and Travis Kelsey to yep. a combined four catches for 60 yards and one touchdown. They took that away from the Chiefs. Right. You would think they would take away Gurley, but Gurley's kind of already taken himself away. So, do you think they're still going to hone in on Gurley? If not, if your answer is yes, then elaborate on that. If not, who do you think they try to take away? Um, see that that's the hard thing is because after watching these these past few weeks, you know Gurley hasn't been himself. C.J. Anderson has been pretty solid for them though, so the running game is still good. But then you also have Goff, who's got his reliable receivers. You know, Robert Woods has been doing amazing stuff this he's, season. He's better than than give, he's giving credit for. I think yeah. he's a very good receiver. Yeah, yeah, and so it's just kind of under the radar because their whole offense is good that no one seems like a superstar. You know, so um, besides Gurley, yeah, yeah, and, and he, like we said, he, he's just hasn't right. Re- yeah, recently he hasn't looked like a superstar. He's still been playing well. You know, even with like these these uh, ghost injuries or whatever you want to call them that they're, they're there, but they're not there. Like, no, he's healthy, but he's not playing like it. But I think with it being the Super Bowl, they're going to try to limit the running game. I think they're going to focus on that. Take away Gurley and CJ Anderson, make Goff throw the ball, make him make mistakes being a young quarterback. Hmm. Um, I, I think that's the way that Bill's going to have to play this because it's the Super Bowl, no matter how, hurt Gurley is you know he's going to go back and he's going to give a hundred percent I think he will look different than he has this past month and CJ Anderson has just been a tank he's been he really has. he's been bowling people over like it's it's um not CJ CJ Anderson-esque you know no, for lack of a better he term like, a, he's, he was always an adequate back but yeah he's but playing some of his it, best football I, it feels like it it doesn't feel like wait that was C.J. Anderson. I and thought he, he looked left like he the put league. on some weight too. <laughs> yeah. we were like, yeah. "Whoa!" Yeah, that belly looks good in that blue jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I I think he's gonna have to limit the running game. Okay, so you think running game in a whole? He, they're not gonna hone yep. in on one or the other, C.J. or or Gurley. Yep. They're gonna. They'll they're definitely gonna... have to watch Gurley more on uh, on like the screen pass or the sure. dump off. They'll have to watch him have uh, 
have someone watching the flats for him, but I, I think they'll have to try to eliminate the running game altogether, make Goff make the mistakes. I actually like that a lot. I didn't really talk about that. I didn't really focus on that, but I like that a lot because that's, that's true. If Goff goes out there and has a, a career game and wins, what else could no one could have expected that. Nope. So it's might just, as well put it, it on his shoulders and you know what say you know what human nature would be give a young kid all that pressure and he's gonna fold. And if he doesn't, kudos to him. I, I like the strategy. I would love to see the Patriots that would be very interesting to see them do that. Um what about and Dominic Sue last week was fantastic <laughs> and Aaron Donald was fantastic I mean he's just fantastic all the time right Sue hasn't really been himself all year but he's the past two games he's been fan, really good yeah playoff I mean, Sue has, has been something else he's incredible I mean they, they hit the quarterback five times this is weird because it's a team that just last week just Sue and Donald alone combined for five QB hits Sue had a, a sack and a half. They also combined for three and a half tackles for loss. This is against a Patriots team who Brady, I believe, has had 130 dropbacks in the in the postseason, maybe 120. I forget what it was. Some amount of games he's had like over 100 dropbacks, zero sacks, and like two QB hurries or hits. So it's like complete opposites. It's a team that lives off of pressuring the quarterback and a team that protects their quarterback. What do you think? Something's got to break. What do you think? Do you think one hole? Do you think the Rams break it. I I think that Rams will definitely break it. Um, just because those those two guys in, in the center of that defensive line, they're, they're monsters. They're gonna have some sort of defensive line switch ups, you know, one's gonna pull and you know, it's it's gonna open up a hole and they're gonna put pressure on Brady for sure. I don't think he'll be without pressure this game. But it's Brady. Pressure's not going to mean that much to him. It it will affect him in the game, 100%. I can't say it won't affect him. You know, he's not perfect. But he he will be able to hold that pocket, get rid of the ball, make a smart play, throw it away. You know, he's going to be able to do do something to make that situation okay. There, yeah, I, 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 think I think that there will be I'll, – I'll throw this out here. We'll, th- we'll make a little wager. I'll, I'll, I'll put two sacks in the game on Brady. Okay, so so he goes from none in the postseason yep. to two by one team, and that yep. could be the difference because it is Brady and he deals with pressure well. But and as soon as he thing. touched, I, as soon as he's touched, I feel like he just crumbles to the ground because one, he doesn't want to lose possession exactly. of the ball; two, he doesn't want to make a stupid play; and three, he's not going to just throw it away and hope it goes exactly. out of bounds. And that's one thing we've seen that has deterior deteriorated on him this year. Not much has, but. He used to be able to kind of scramble a little. Like he's not a good scrambler, but he could get off balance and make good throws. This year, he hasn't really been able to do it as well. So that could be the key to the game if they can get pressure on him. What do you got? Who do you got in this game? Give me a score too. I gave a score early. I think I said thirty-eight, thirty-four Patriots. So what do you got? Um, I, hmm. It I it's not. I don't like the Patriots. I just hate seeing the same story over and over because there are other teams in the NFL that are good. Um, so it's not that I don't want to see him winning because they are a great team, um, but let's see. I I I think I think they're going to, and I don't want to be upset about it <laughs> because the Rams are a good fo- football organization. You know, it'd be sweet to see uh, you know young Sean McVay out there uh, winning his Super Bowl. The only thing that'd be bad about that is all the coaches coming up the next <laughs> couple of years. Everyone's going to want to get Sean McVay, and it'll yeah. be, it'll be rough. But to Stop avoiding the question. Um, I'm going to say that the Patriots are going to win. If I had to put a score on it, I would have to say... Uh, I'm going to go 35-28. Five touchdowns, four touchdowns. Easy numbers. There you go. Um, yeah, it would be interesting. I would. I don't have a lot in this. I, I, I like... I don't. You know what? I don't know. My, the Dolphin fan of me hates the Patriots, but the sports fan of me loves watching greatness. Um, again, Dolphin fan of me hates Tom Brady. Sports fan of me loves watching Tom Brady play and, and his greatness. So it would be, but it would be interesting to see the Rams win simply because the last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl against the Patriots and Tom Brady and the Patriots beat them. Uh, so it would just be an interesting dynamic. For the Patriots, or for, for them to bring it all full circle, take the Patriots out on the Tom's first Super Bowl, 
maybe his last Super Bowl. Maybe they beat him in his last Super Bowl. It'd be very. Uh, if if he loses, he's not done. If he loses, he's not done. Well, he said he's not done either way. He said he's okay. They asked. That's him, been confirmed. Yeah, they asked okay. him this week. Yeah. It was actually funny. They they said, uh, "What are the chances that this is your last game?" And he just went. He gave up a goose egg. He put up the number zero, and they said zero chance. Are you sure? He's like. Zero chance. I am coming back next year. And now Bob Kraft, their owner, uh-huh. thinking about giving him an extension. Oh, there we go. Brady. So, so they might okay. extend Brady at right. forty-one. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna change my score thirty-five, thirty-one because I like Greg Zerline. So he's gonna kick okay. a field goal. Okay, we'll get one. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Make we, it a little bit closer every game. But. So, so we're we're you know coming to it coming to the end. Uh, I do want to get a little off topic. Uh, your family is up in Wisconsin right they now, are. braving the negative what so it's a negative 19 negative 20 but then wind chills of negative 55 ish yeah have you talked to them have they said anything about it uh actually all their technology is frozen so there's no communication are you serious no i'm kidding (laughs) yeah the liquid inside their phone floridian would i would believe that born and raised man yeah all their batteries are frozen they don't work um no but uh they're surviving um they're definitely making me feel bad for them you know since the move but uh they're 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 trying to make it through. Um, with work, I'm having trouble because we're we're ordering packages out of out of Illinois, uh, north of Chicago, and uh, they're not coming because <laughs> <laughs> nobody's doing anything up there. Everything's frozen. Can you blame them, man? No, Good, no. Yeah. I yeah, that was the worst. Is everything I mean, shut down up there? Like, are, are not everybody coming no, out of work? There's not or? everything shut down. Like, you can do stuff around town, but uh, I mean, through the. Is like, it not dangerous to go out in that though? Like. I mean, it depends on how long you're going to be out for. I mean, I wouldn't go out and when I'm dressed well, in right obviously, now. But even, but like, I, just going. in my mind, people go, let's say people go snowboarding, skiing in like teens, like okay. 11, yeah, 12, they'll go. 13. Oh, that, right? was, that was the best time. Snow but, days, or, snow that's, days that's, or cold days, we would still go and do whatever we want But that's what I'm saying. Like that, in the teens, that's like perfect time to go do your snow stuff. Yeah. Now... But but you still get pretty freaking cold. Absolutely, right? Yeah, it's, it's 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 so definitely now, a risk. Now subtract sixty degrees, like it just seems like if you get cold in the teens, that you get down to the negative forties, fifties. That that's just dangerous. Yeah, I mean they they definitely have you know different apparel and stuff to keep you to try to keep you warm and uh, you know everyone's got like different face masks and stuff, um, you know depending on what you're trying to do, but. I mean, people are still gonna be outside shoveling their driveways. I mean, I saw Snapchats really? of guys out in shorts. I mean, it's it. There's always at least yeah, yeah. one guy <laughs> I did walking see. around in shorts, um, just to be that guy, you know. And he and gets he, inside and he cries himself to sleep. Yeah, you know, I saw it, one picture. It might have been the same one that he was like yeah. wearing this big old like ski jacket, but then like these like compression shorts or, or some type yeah, of running shorts. Just, somebody has to be that guy. So I mean, there's always gonna be him. But uh, I mean. It's it's freaking cold, and um, I mean there was times when I was growing up that we had cold days from school, not snow days. Oh, really? Just because it was cold. Yeah. Is this one of them? Like, is is your brother Brody? Is he in school? Like, yeah, during this I, I believe weather? he's I believe he's still in school because the only time that we had the, like the cold days was when it was when there was a lot of moisture. Okay. So like the roads roads are frozen. Yeah. So so people are still going about that. Like, are a lot of people still working and stuff? Like, yeah. They're... Oh yeah, people are still wow. working. I mean, I'm sure there's some people that are taking off and stuff, but I mean, That'd be me. um you know there's my family's still Goodness working and stuff, oh so. your, your dad and mom they're still just going about there yep wow i guess i did see the, the weather looked nice it just just freezing it it it's a pretty picture but it's very cold inside that Goodness. picture okay so so last question we gotta we gotta get out of here uh what's the coldest weather you've been in i, I so wouldn't be able to remember that wouldn't be able to remember no. was it anything like this so like negative oh, 20 I'm with sure a wind chill negative like 50 yeah you think oh, so yeah i'm sure because, wow. the the worst part is is when you get in places like Chicago where the wind just rips through. Windy city. Yeah, the windy city exactly. You know, whenever you're, uh, whenever you're lakeside, that's bad. Um, you know, they always talk about lake effect snow. It m- means it's going to be worse when you're close to the lake because wow. of all the moisture from the lake. So it it's just, yeah, anything close to the lake is going to be worse. Which you know, I was from Kenosha, so that was a lot closer to the lake than you know, say Madison, which is center of the state. But gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't remember what the lowest temperature I've ever experienced was, but... Good gosh. I am so thankful for Florida. I honestly think the lowest I've ever been in was maybe 7 degrees, so I, I can't imagine negatives. Like, it's just... Bleh. Anyways, 
that is all we've got today. Issa, thanks so much for coming on. Can't wait to see you again in a few weeks here. Anything else you want to say real quick? Any plugs you got? Um, no plugs. Twitter? Just, I'll just say what's, Twitter? what's up to the fam. Oh, yeah, and you can follow me on social media, at Eastygram. That's me. So uh, E-A-S-T-Y-G-R-A-M. That's Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at Take It, Leave It, B-H. That's at Take It, Leave It, B-H. Go in there, drop us some DMs, um, any questions, comments, anything you want me to cover, I'll, I'll comment on some stuff. We want to start doing a mailbag here pretty soon, uh, so get after it. Thanks so much for listening. We love you guys. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Uh, that's all we got. You can take it or leave it. Peace.